You're listening to Outside Radio. Hello and welcome back to Ugly Girls Club on Outside Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with the great lady Ogulhe from Magonyewe Once where we discussed the current Women's Month and what does that mean for the current youth in South Africa. This week we'll be discussing the great return of the diaspora to Africa and why this is so. On the show we have Janine Battis who is all the way from the UK and will help us understand a little bit more this new migration pattern that has been happening over the past years. Hey Janine. Oh uh, hey Nico, thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. For sure, for sure. How how are you doing? How is COVID? How is summer? Um, on that side? Yeah, um, well, COVID, I think um, people are starting to act like nothing ever happened. I'm still very, very anxious about everything, but I think people are just really like trying to get back to normal life now. Um, Summer is nice, summer has been really, really hot. It suddenly started to rain like crazy yesterday. So I think um, people are kind of um, quite shocked by the new weather considering it's been like 30 degrees for the last two weeks, but I'm so relieved the rain because it has just been a desert out here so <laughs> that's how london is oh, that's cool i think also here in south africa people are getting tired of lockdown and um we our summer is coming soon so i'm sure it's going to be exactly the same like yeah people are going to be at the beach at the parks you right. know just... it's like we're tired of coronavirus <laughs> but i don't know if coronavirus is tired of us let's be honest so on the show i really like for my guests to introduce themselves like who they are, where they're from, um, some of the places they've been, what you're currently doing in your life. Because uh, um, as I've explained um, on previous episodes, I feel like as women, we are never given the opportunity to speak about ourselves like loud and proud. Wow. So this is your your time <laughs> to let us know. <laughs> okay, I love that. Uh, okay, yeah. so my name is Janine Battis and I'm a broadcast journalist from London. So I am currently working on a film actually about black businesses. Um, I made a documentary last year, which I think we'll probably dive into later. And so many people were eager for me to carry on making documentaries. And so I think I'll definitely have to make a few more. And that's the next one that I'm making. So I'm currently working on that now. Aside from that, I tend to do um, freelancing in both TV and radio journalism. So that's who I am. In terms of where I've been countries-wise, I've been very fortunate to have traveled to the country that I'm originally from, Sierra Leone. So I live in London, but I was born there and I moved here um, as a little girl, but I go home um, fairly often. I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. Um, I've also been to various European countries because we're um, lucky, I think, to be in London where we have France and Italy, Spain, quite close. Um, you can literally just get the train to France. I've been there a few times. Um, I've also traveled to America um, and um, I've even been to um, Dubai and places like that. So I've been very lucky when it comes to the side of traveling. I think now I'm trying to stay in one place to really invest in my career. So that's me. And then with your YouTube page, you know, um, I really enjoy your content on there as well. Um, do you care to explain like a little bit more like what you are doing on your YouTube page, where it's going? Because you started off um, on a different mm -hmm. um 
plain or different type of content and then now you sort of as you watch um your content um changes over time and mm. where you're going now with your content um so do you care to speak a little bit more about that sure so i think to summarize i think my content is growing as i am um i think i've had youtube for a number of years and i initially started it just because I really wanted to kind of learn how to edit and I wanted to um, just have a creative outlet and so I did things I was interested in at the time so fashion is what I started doing but then as you go onto YouTube any like YouTuber will tell you that very quickly you're pulled into a realm of um, content that you never even really planned on doing because it's what people ask to see and so a lot of people would ask to see me do makeup and vlogs and things so I started doing a few of those but then I got to a point where um, well, first of all, in my real day-to-day -day life, I wanted to learn how to tell stories and I wanted to learn how to um, um, produce like documentaries and um, immerse myself in social aware, social, what's the word? Like socially aware um, content. And then I think my YouTube just became a reflection of that because I was no longer fulfilled doing uh, really girly like fashion and makeup videos. And so um, I started to essentially upload more socially aware content. I hope I'm saying that properly. Socially conscious content, let's say, on my channel as well. And I think that's probably where I'm going to take it just because it's what I enjoy. And I feel that it coincides really well with what I do in my um, daily life. So yeah, it's just about me, I guess, growing up and then my social platforms being a reflection of who I'm becoming as a, as a person, as a woman, as a black woman. Mm, and I mean, the, the clip that we're going to talk about um, just in a bit actually did really well as well. So, you know, you, I think you are, in terms of viewership, I think you are going on the right track. Um, people will follow where you lead them, you know? Oh, Nico, thank you very much. That's really kind. <laughs> um, and I love that. To go into the topic, black people, black bodies across the world are coming back to Africa. Do you mind just giving us a little bit of a background? You've already mentioned that you are from Sierra Leone. Just a little bit of a background of your journey of um, your parents or your mom, family moving to the UK. Yes, so my family moved here during the Sierra Leonean Civil War. Um, I think my mum always tells me that she had no plans to move to the West. We've always loved where we're from and we see the potential in Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone is honestly such a wonderful country. Anyone who's visited there will tell you. Um, there's something in the air in Sierra Leone, you just want to keep going back and when you're there, you just want to stay. You can never book a long enough stay in Sierra Leone. So um, it was never our plan to move to the, the West and move to London. My mum had actually holidayed here before. So I think if she had wanted to stay, um, then she, she probably would have done that before the war. But because um, the war broke out and obviously our surroundings became really volatile very quickly, my dad encouraged my mother and I, who was only two years old at the time, to come to London. So he stayed there. You know what African men are like, they're very prideful. Yes. Um, and so he had no interest in, in um, picking up everything and packing his bags and moving. So he stayed um, in Sierra Leone and he's been there ever since, even as we've continued to live in the UK. Uh, and um, that's essentially why why we moved. And my mum will probably go back soon, but I think once you start school, 
and once you, you know you buy a house and all of these things you just become more and more um you know you, you yeah right you see your surroundings it becomes harder to leave so i think my mum was kind of waiting for me and my younger brother to um get into a good position um with with our lives before she kind of packed up and moved back so yeah, that's how my family came. My brother was actually born here. I think my mum may have been pregnant at the time when she moved. So you can oh, imagine a pregnant lady with a small baby uh, yes. fleeing from um, war-torn um, Sierra Leone. But I'm just so grateful that we're finally, I think um, Sierra Leone, which they've received so much kind of negative uh, media attention, is finally getting the recognition it deserves for the beautiful country that it is. Oh, that's so tense. And then how often do you go come back to Africa, um, visit your dad. Yeah, so I go back about once a year. Okay. That's that's Yeah, I go back about once a year. That's a good I think amount. Um, amount. Yeah. I try I try I try to go as much as possible. Um, but what I've seen is over the years, the ticket prices have become unreasonably expensive. And so it makes it harder for people to go back. Um, even the once a year is, you know, it's, it's very, very expensive. But I mean, last year I went twice because I filmed my documentary. This year I'm considering um, I, I may go again before December. I'm not sure. But I think the one thing that stops people from going more is literally how expensive the plane ticket starts. Like, 1,000, at least 1,000, that's on a good day, but you're looking at 1,200, 1,300 pounds. In America, it's like over 2,000. So it's just crazy. I think if they lowered the plane prices, so many more people would travel back to Africa. Let's hold on. Let's let's convert this to rands because I mean, oh, yeah. something yeah. when it's like 300 pounds, is it's gang. It's like 2,000 rand in South Africa. Okay. <laughs> so I was just like... How much is a thousand pounds in rents? Let's convert quickly. And honestly, that is a, that is a good day. It's crazy. It's basically twenty three thousand rand for a flight. That's that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. It's too much. That's crazy. It's way too much. And do you think? I don't know why they do it. Do you think maybe mm. because there's like people are traveling more to Africa, they're trying to exploit the system a bit more? Or or when, when you go to Dubai, do you, like, is the flight mm. as expensive? Like, what, what do you think I it think, is? Honestly, it's so weird, um, Nika. I don't know why they charge so much because I've been to, as you say, places that have been the same distance or further and it's nowhere near the price. So perhaps they are trying to exploit because I know ticket prices do go up during the holiday season and that's when a lot of people travel back home mm. um, but I, I mean I can't say with absolute certainty why they do it but I just know that it's bad <laughs> I just know that's bad and someone needs to really take a look at that and maybe I should do a documentary on that I don't know yes yes <laughs> idea for a that. documentary yes <laughs> yes we want to know why <laughs> I need to know why. We need to get to the bottom of this. This is crazy. <laughs> um, so you've moved from Sierra Leone from a young age. Your primary, your secondary school, your uni um, experience was all in the UK. As uh, a black woman, black bodies in general, how would you describe the environment, um, the experience of the black body? I think... I feel like everyone here would have had such different experiences um, dependent on, you know, what part of the UK you've lived in, dependent on 
you know, the family that you've come from, whether you moved here as a teenager or whether you were born here, right? Because those kind of cultural differences um, are at play as well. But for me, um, I think that I would describe my overall experience as um, as okay. It's been okay. I don't know that I've had the, a major struggle as um, I've seen or heard of other people have had. However, there definitely have been times in my life where um, I have felt this kind of dual, I think my dual nationality, um, I've really struggled to feel completely at peace with my surroundings in the UK. I always feel like, I have always felt like Africa, you know, calls me home. Because when I'm there, I feel completely at peace, completely at home. Everyone looks like me, mm-hmm. you know, everybody speaks like my parents. And it's just such a, it's, you can't even compare the feeling. You just feel completely at ease when you walk in the street certain things that you do in your house here is being done all over like like something like a headscarf for instance we all wear headscarves right in yes. our house and before we sleep but when you go into the street you, you don't wear headscarves in Sierra Leone though their hair is beautiful they, they don't even need to wear a headscarf I could go to the shop with my lap around my head yes. and no one's gonna look at me twice right yes so that's like the beautiful thing something like Cambro I love to braid my hair and they say that it's you know it's unprofessional here and we love our wigs here and our weaves and stuff but when you're in Africa everyone's hair is braided Mm -hmm. so you don't feel any type of way about it so it's just such a feeling of being at home when you're in Africa which it's like yeah I think my experience has been okay here but I don't know if I could compare it that internal feeling when I'm in Africa but of course I also have to add that it's a it is a privilege to live you know here because as I said I came here during the time of the war a lot of people didn't have the opportunity across the globe you know they don't have that opportunity to be able to leave um leave war-torn countries and come to kind of a peaceful peaceful country so I mean I don't want to I don't want to come across as like privileged or ungrateful because I know this has been something that has benefited me in a great way so I'm very grateful for this opportunity but of course I mean you're we're not treated the same are we (laughs) as the white man in the western world and that's just that on that period it's the same experience in South Africa um you know as even though this we are in Africa there's still quite a bit of tension between like racial groups due to our recent history with apartheid and how our country really hasn't gotten over that hurdle of actually acknowledging what happened in the past and Mm. people taking accountability for those things and for us to move on you know and creating spaces for black people in our own country you know what I'm saying in our own country not we're not we're not like you know it's our country, yeah, you know. That's painful. It's really the worst, you know. It's really the worst. Like we, as we spoke. Where do you go? Exactly. Where do we go? Because we spoke about, as we oh. spoke earlier on, like there's a very different energy across um, South Africa. So I'm in Cape mm-hmm. Town, and in Cape Town, like the racial divide is so tense. Mm-hmm. So like even just between us as variants of black, you know. It's this tension. There's still a lot of tension that um, still wow. resides because it was created through um, colonialism and apartheid. So wow. it's crazy. It's 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 crazy here in South so <laughs> It's wild. No, honestly, because I couldn't imagine. Obviously, I think that it's really sad that you're in a country in Africa. It's the country that you're from. Your home. You love it. 
and you're having a similar experience to those of us in the West, right? Because at least for me, I when I go to Sierra Leone, I don't experience these things. Like I'm not, you know, I don't feel like I'm a second class citizen in Sierra Leone. So it's just so crazy because I think that's what gives me a lot of peace, knowing that there's the option to always go back, go back or even just not even necessarily moving back, but just taking breaks mm-hmm. and going and just feeling um, feeling so at home and at peace. I just I couldn't even imagine an experience where even when I'm in Sierra Leone, it's the same thing. The white man is on top, you know. The white man is great, you know. There's um, um, there's um, uh, you know just racism. Yes. Um, you know systematic racism that stops me and my people from prospering in my own country oh girl Nika I cannot even imagine this is just it's so tense it's just crazy it's so tense and I know I must say a place in South Africa that I really enjoy being in is Joburg because Joburg people like to say the white people they are better behaved (laughs) but you know there's still those um, transgressions but as there's more black people who are in positions there's more black yes there's more black people having their own businesses you know it's like the economic um, capital so there's more emancipation for black people in that space there's more access i think that's like my biggest thing like access is so Mm -hmm. important whether it's like information transportation like everything you know it's more available i'm not saying it's like 100 there but it's like way more available than it is in cape town like that is mm. that is so for sure and okay. just going back to the uk and the black body experience i think it would be a missed opportunity if i didn't ask about the current black lives matter um movement that was happening a couple of weeks ago in UK like how has that movement impacted the community and how has it brought change within the community so I think that the the movement though it stemmed from something so awful has probably strengthened the community more than it's it's ever been strengthened I think since I've been here I think we as black people are seeing that we have strength when we're together and so we are Um, There are community pages that have been formed. Of course, as you know, the protests have gone on and there is really just a strong sense of coming together to kind of defeat this problem because if we don't show how determined we are, it's never going to be done. So we have been, you know, things like business, for instance, supporting one another in our business endeavors is something that I have seen a lot of in the last few weeks. People are, you know, there's been this um, movement called the Black Pound Day where every uh, month um, on, I think it's the first um, Saturday of every month, the, the date's all published on the website. That you can, um, you're supposed, you're encouraged to buy from black businesses and then post online to show what what it is that you bought, which also helps with promotion for the black businesses, um, but also just building that generational wealth, which is something that we as black people don't really have mm-hmm. in this country. So, so I think that that's uh, um, something that even as black people we have learned to do, and I think within the wider community, um, it's been. I think lessons are being taught uh, in the workplace. A lot of um, a lot of companies are trying to, um, I guess they would say, um, be better 
um, um, educate their employees. I don't know if it's a fad. I don't know if it's a passing fad. I don't know how, um, how you know, real that it is to be honest and whether it will be long lasting and whether they actually mean it or they're just doing it to appease the people yes. but I can only hope that this um this period that we're experiencing now is something that um you know has a, a bigger and impactful change but of course only time will tell yes will tell. I hope so too because um I was speaking to like friends and we I always ask the the question like is this fleeting is this because like there's the sudden global interest in Africa in terms of like culturally what we have been always bringing to the international space because anyway there are African bodies across the world you know and then uh, now that there's there's this we are speaking up across different um, platforms different areas different parts of the world we're speaking up you know like come on guys this this cannot be how you treat another human being um and people are, are, are listening but how long will they be listening for you know mm. it's just i've you know I, I i get so tense but you know my other thing is it's like this is the moment like how you said we support each other like this is the moment where we stand for each other and we create our own economy you know like create our own wealth for each other to so so that like for at some point like this is my biggest dream ever in life mm-hmm. at some point you know we don't need them and then just going into your documentary you know talking about all these tensions that we experience on a day-to-day basis um your documentary um you spoke to a few young people in the UK to they were basically relocating back to Africa um mm. for various reasons um mm. i just want various <laughs> various reasons exactly <laughs> various reasons so i just want you to just explain a little bit more um about the documentary and what sparked the the need for you to create this piece well basically i obviously as you know i'm from sierra leone and because i've been going back there um and even just here I, i've created quite a great network of sierra leoneans and western africans or west africans sorry i often hear that um you know i also often see my friends moving and i often hear my friends speaking about how they want to move it's so normal within my community it's like it's as it's as normal as like within the white community them saying you know i'm i'm going on holiday this is where i'm traveling to this summer my friends it's like they just all want to move i'm like it's so crazy to me that when i turn on the television and i see nigeria and i see ghana and i see sierra leone all i see is kind of the negative news you know this this um this um kidnapping happened uh, in ghana this fraud situation happened in nigeria there's mm. a sickness that broke out in in sierra leone it's all i see negative news about west africa but then but then i go there and i have the best time and all my friends just want to move there if africa is this bad as bad as you paint it out to be why on earth do so many people 
want to live there, that have had the experiences in the West. I'm not talking people who were born there and have, have not ever had the opportunity to leave. I'm talking people who have run away, quote unquote, to the milk, the land of milk and honey. They all want to go back, right? Mm. Something is not adding up here. And so I said, I want to talk to people about their experiences. I want to get to the bottom of why it is exactly that they are making these decisions. And on top of that, I want to show people how beautiful Africa is. And there's so much more to Africa than what the Western media will have you think that there is. So that's why I decided to do that film. And I had an abundance of people to speak to. I actually had to... um, be really selective about the people I included in the film because there were just so many people that were doing this and planning on doing this. Yeah, that's literally how it came about. Um, I, I did a master's last year as well, which I decided to do. And as part of that, we had to make a documentary. And I already knew before I, I'd even started that I was going to do that story because I knew so many people would be interested in seeing it because unless a black person makes a story like that, it won't be made. Yes. Um, so I, I just knew that, that there would be interest surrounding that story. Um, it's something that we hear, but it's never been really like concretely made from what I have seen with a bunch of different experiences. And um, also, I think me going there as well and showing halfway through the documentary um, what Africa is like and also um, doing a couple of follow up interviews yes. as well to try and get the whole picture as much as possible. Um, I think those are all ideas that I thought would work really really beautifully um in the film and um i think i just really wanted people to learn i wanted the black people here that that weren't really you know eager i didn't really see it as an, an option to move to, to see what our brethren are doing and i also wanted white people who only see these negative stories which um i've had a lot of white people comment so i know that they're watching and i know that they're shocked at the beauty um in africa because the title is why british peoples i think a lot of people think assuming it's white people yes, yes. um so i'm happy that they're seeing this story as well um, and just really trying to change those negative connotations that are attached to Africa um, in the heads of people in the West. I, re- I really enjoyed your film. And it was like such a, a coincidence because at the time, I think I bumped into it. Was it last year? Can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like archived it like a watch later um, because I wanted to reference it at some point because at the time mm-hmm. I was um, speaking to a lot of um, people from France who came to South Africa some were originally from Nigeria some Central Africa and but they were in South Africa at the time in Joburg um, and they were saying you know they want to leave France it's not like the best environment for them mm-hmm. right now um, they're finding that each time they come to Africa, each time they visit their families in Africa in their respective con- countries, um, they mm-hmm. they are they more accepted, they they are more yeah. relaxed, and you know, like you you said, um, there was a lot of um, similarities in what was like discussed in the in your in your clip with yes. um, some of these ladies were looking for coming back and you know you're you're the the white guy the expert as we'd say um because yeah. <laughs> he journalism, yes because yeah. he he gives reason to what's going on he he basically says um according to like academia and research which i'm sure a lot of mm. the research in academia was probably done by like white people um yeah. <laughs> um right they thought 
because people left Africa, like you said, for came to the land of milk and honey, those who are born in the the new country would want to stay. But this is not the case, basically. People mm-hmm. like we've discussed mm-hmm. like are coming back. So why do you think this is so? Like what are what are some of the main overarching themes which people feel that they have to come back yeah so i think that from all of the interviews that i've done people referenced one of two things firstly uh, um, a feeling of uncomfort being in the uk um a feeling of not being at peace or at home um, a feeling of knowing that no matter how hard they work they will never be um, in the same position as white counterparts. And then the second thing that I was seeing is people feeling like there is so much opportunity in Africa, um, opportunity for um, business, opportunity to contribute to development, um, opportunity for a better way of life, whether that be um, due to the weather or due to having family there. Um, or due to just being in a space where there are, as you were talking about earlier, like it's a space filled with black bodies, just like them. So just feeling, um, feeling at home, feeling at home. So I think people not really feeling that happy here and um, but also seeing potential for happiness in Africa in in a realm of different uh, areas. So those were the two main reasons. I spoke to the two girls that you were describing earlier, Yasmin and Yasmin, and one came from America, one came from the UK, and they have such different experiences. Yes, obviously they're two unique people, but at the same time, their experiences were also so similar and they bonded over the fact that they were tired of the West and wanted um, something different. And so, um, and so they moved to Sierra Leone and now, you know, they're doing all of these wonderful things that they've always wanted to do. They have um, careers that are not just, you know, nine to five every day going in and trying to please this white boss who's probably never going to give this them this promotion at work and like starting their own business mm-hmm. and using the skill sets that they've learned to contribute into the communities in Sierra Leone. And um, it's just, it was really just an amazing thing. And um, I think that my main aim was for people to not necessarily want to move, but know that it's always an option it's to possible. move. Um, it's possible and people are doing it. Mm. I was watching this other short form piece from the BBC and then they were discussing um, how Ghana, was was it last year, like the return of the diaspora to Ghana. They were giving away um, citizenships to American citizens who were descendants of the slave trade. I think it was like 400 years or it marked like 400 years of post-slave, I mean, well, slavery and they were doing that for the American community and then there was one guy who took that opportunity to come to come back to Ghana from America and he was saying you know he didn't have a plan when he was like moving back to Ghana but he knew he just had to come back to Africa and as well with and obviously everyone has a business um, with him sort of finding his feet and starting his business in Ghana what he really just enjoyed was that everyone has a seat at the table you know like we're not 
Um, he's not fighting for a space, you know, um, at the table. Yeah. And do you think like initiatives like these of giving away citizenships for descendants of slavery, do you think initiatives like this are positive thing or is, is it important to get the ball rolling when it comes to bringing people back or having people feeling like they have that door opened as well mm-hmm. this side mm-hmm. exactly i think that that's that's what it is it's that i think for a long time especially if we look at um Uh, America, because I think that's where a lot of the citizenships were being given to African-Americans. African-Americans have felt that they are disconnected from Africa Mm. and that, you know, the same way that it's like you, for instance, you know where you're from, you know where your family lineage is from. And I can say the same even though I'm in the UK, but a lot of African-Americans were stripped of that uh, unjustly. Mm. And so I think that a lot of them have lived this life where there's a disconnect because obviously they live in America and this is all that they know and their grand- their parents know and their grandparents know. Um, sorry, but um, but really uh, this is this is the white man's land. and Well, I, I mean, it's the native the native Mm -hmm. land but like you know you know i'm trying to say like this isn't everyone that's here like (laughs) right right so where where am i from um and i think um i think that them offering that citizenship to african americans was really a beautiful thing because it's to show that actually we we as africans welcome you and we want you to kind of embrace um embrace africa and it's not that you have to move but it's that you you know that you always have the choice to move because it's not it's not like a free it's a free citizenship but really they're just giving back what was stripped of them in the first mm. place you know so so i think i think that's just what it is it's, it's just about having the option for them to know that if they want to try they can um and i'm really in africa we're all brothers and sisters so there's that same feeling when i go to you know guinea or liberia i still feel at peace i still feel at home nigeria i still feel at home like all my African brothers and sisters um like I go to their homes and it's just like my home you know so I think that I think Ghana doing that is an amazing thing and I know a lot of people took up (laughs) took up the um the offer because I too watched a few documentaries about the year of the return and um I think that people are really having a great time immersing themselves in that experience and it's not going to be a perfect it's not going to be perfect to anyone I'm sure a lot of people will go and think this is just I cannot I can't do this I have to go back I'm (laughs) sure that a lot of people are shocked in there because of course very different right they're very different there are so many there are so many it's there's so many differences between the west and um africa but but ultimately the option was there and i think it's a great thing that they did that so yeah and talking about the it might be jarring it's very different experiences on your ducky when you is it is it reku is it Raku. Raku, yes, yes. No, who? Oh, Ray, um, um, Rika, Rika. Rika, yes, Rika. Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, Rika. Saying, but yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Rika. Um, <laughs> she, she, her experience of Sierra Leone seemed very different because everyone else was just like, I love it, it's amazing, so great. But you could see that she was right. actually struggling, um, a little bit. Um, but she didn't want to say so per se, but you know, our bodies speak louder than, you know, our words sometimes. Mm. So what are some of the 
ex- the difficult experiences you've heard yeah. from other people um when they do come back because i mean like you said i i was at first i was like wow people want to leave like wi-fi all day every day to come and buy yeah. <laughs> data you know what i'm saying like first world right. privilege there are there are challenges there are challenges even we that go for a few weeks i mean it's, it's first world problems but you do notice obviously stuff like um lights like we always <laughs> like lights out we have this thing in um sierra leone like when the light cuts and everyone's like lights on go like you just hear it from all the different houses mm-hmm. around you it was announcing like but it's so it's so normal so normal um yeah i think with with rika obviously we interviewed her probably about three months after she'd moved so she had a lot of um, plans that she'd made yes. and and the thing is we all know you don't have to move countries to know that you know if you want to make god laugh tell him your plans plans never go yes. how you want them to go according to plan yes right it just never happens so i think obviously obviously she landed there and i don't think she was shocked because she is somebody that she's lived there before actually she's spent time in her childhood there growing up and um, she often travels there as well so I don't think it was like the same things that the shock or the challenges I don't think would have been the same as people who have lived in the West their whole life and then move, right? Because those those shocks are like the water, the electricity and things. Yes. I think for her, it was just um, really finding her feet because she knows she wants to be there long term. And what can she really do to sustain her lifestyle for the years to come? So I think, as you said, um, there were definitely some... <laughs> some um, issues that she had with the researching or the planning um, for the um, project she was initially planning on working on, I think, the skincare line. Yes. Um, um, but um, I've actually been to her paintballing. Um, um, oh, that's dope. Yeah, I, I went there when I went last year and it's really, really good. So I wish I could like show people that actually she is um, doing um, what she planned on doing. It's really great. Mm-hmm. It's really great. But um yeah, in terms of other challenges, I would say if you're from the West, okay, I'm trying to see from somebody's perspective who has never really been to Sierra Leone mm-hmm. or various countries in Africa. I can only really speak of Sierra Leone, though. I don't want to speak of other countries and I don't know. Yes, so. of course, your experience or what you know. Right? So I know that me personally, I wouldn't drink the tap water. I just wouldn't because my stomach, the way my stomach is set up, anything could give me issues. So the water you might have an issue with. I'm even fortunate to have a tank some people do mm. not have tanks and so your water can literally just be cut mm-hmm. <laughs> um and then you have to go and fetch water and then we have the light issue is another thing um i again i think if you're fortunate you have a generator but if you don't have a generator um the government can just switch off the light some areas are worse than others some areas never have light out. I speak to some of my friends in different areas they never have power outs but some areas have power outs all the time so there's that to consider the other thing to consider is that um africa um various countries in africa and i've heard this from some of my ghanaian friends as well are very slow so you might work in an office here everything's very efficient you go you line up you get your thing stamped and it's filed and then you know they call you or they send you everything is so smooth and efficient whereas i know that um in sierra leone and definitely um like some of my friends in Ghana describe how slow everything is. As in you, my friend was in the hospital in Sierra Leone working and he's, he literally describes how people will be having um, like 
like heart attack. I don't know, maybe he was just being dramatic and joking. <laughs> but then, yeah, he's probably just being dramatic. He's crazy. But like people are literally having, you know, like crisis in the hospital and the Ghanaian doctors, he always tells the story just like, okay, bring me this thing, stats. But like, you know, here it's like, you see the shows or it's like, yeah, it's just crazy. So I think it's definitely a lot slower. So if you're used to proficiency, efficiency, everything happening quick, um, that's, not what, that's not what I know. No, but she, what she's saying though, um, I, I met this really cool girl. She was from Germany and she was saying, because we were talking about like, the media industry, like how it's different, Germany and mm-hmm. here. Um, and she was saying like what she really likes about South Africa is that it's like way more chilled way more relaxed so you know I think what your friend is saying is true (laughs) you know it's way more chilled way more relaxed if something doesn't work out to plan you're not there's not going to be like a whole fit and a half and people getting fired it's like okay it didn't work out next time we need to do better and I was like that's yeah (laughs) exactly people I think just overall it's so much more chilled you know it, it, there's like the beach as well is such a thing in mm. in Sierra Leone I'm sure in South Africa as well a lot revolves around the beach yes. so people will go for meals at the beach it's your birthday let's go to the beach you know if you want to go for a walk it's along the beach mm. and so when you have this life that's like it, everything is so easy breezy um and then you have the westerners who come from the you know cities and like having to bang into people just to get an, a seat on the train and you're just in a rush trying to get to work for 9am and it's just it's just not that vibe in 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 Sierra Leone and 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 in Africa I think as from what I've I've been told in other countries in Africa mm. just to ask like the parents now you know cuz the parents left um the countries um like you said um you you guys left when it was like war some people leave because of economical constraints some political mm. as well but other um variants of politics how do the how do the parents feel when their kids are like yo dad i'm going back to sierra leone <laughs> Mm. you know like um from your friends how how have the parents reacted to that yeah so again it is split in the middle for instance i have a friend um actually let's talk about simcha who was in the film she she was the um girl that um has the catering company she bakes her parents don't want her to move back her parents are like we have given you this amazing life in the UK. We want you to, you know, complete your education, which she's now done, and get a good job and have that experience because that experience in like an office in the UK is invaluable. And if you come later in life, you know, you don't need to come now. Um, people are going to value you so much more. You're going to be indispensable if you have this experience. And she's just like, no, she's literally, if you speak to her, she's, she battles her parents about this because she does not want to be here. She has no interest in being here. Um, but her parents just don't want her to come to come back because, no, not yet. It's not that they don't want her to come. They just think, you know, you've had this opportunity. You might as well make the absolute most, most of it. it. Yeah. Right. But then, for instance, someone like my dad, 
he really wants my family to move back. He is like, what's in the West? Like, why do you people care about the West so much? You know, come to Africa, there's so many opportunities here. This is where you're from. Mm. And so I'm happy to say to my dad, like, dad, please, it's not a rush. You know, let me just finish doing this. Let me try different things. And this is obviously somewhere that I've grown up. So as much as I love Sierra Leone, it's so hard to up and leave. You know, I have relationships here and things. So I'm happy to persuade my dad why, why I stay. think it's beneficial for me to stay, like at least um, for a large majority of the time, even if I'm back and forth. And then I have, um, let's say, Con, who I interviewed for the film. Um, he just, he, I think at first he was like, why would you throw everything away? But then when he saw how well his son is doing in um, Africa, yes. he's like, you know what? Maybe it's for the best, you know? So the parents are all completely different. I think parents at the, the end of the day just want what's best for their kids, mm. whether that be being in the UK or being in Africa. They just want to know that you can live um, a fulfilling life and that you're financially secure. And a lot of parents have the view that that's easier in the West. And so that's why I think a lot of people are shocked when their kids want to go back because that's almost the life that they left behind yes. for more. Yes, exactly. So it's strange, right? Yes, like yeah. the, 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 the dad you had on, on your ducky, he was just like, wow, <laughs> all of yeah. that trouble, <laughs> all of that establishment right. for you to just go back to Africa was your problem. <laughs> Exactly. That's the that problem. The guy, he had had, he did a really good degree, went to a good university. He was in one of the top firms um, in his field in London. He was earning good, good money. So pe I think a lot of people assume that if you move back, it's because, you know, things aren't going well for you here mm. or, you know, just maybe you just want to try, but you've got nothing to lose. But people are genuinely giving up really great lives in the West to try. So I mean, there must be something in the water because for you to give up a really good job that people are fighting for in the UK um, and let go of all of your relationships, including that of your family who now live here too, to go back. I mean, there must be something drawing them. Yes. I'm telling you, Nika. Yes, yes. And I mean, I'm okay. Everyone must come back. We must all share experiences, <laughs> you know. Let's all learn from right. each other. I'm here for it. Mm. I'm I'm here for this um, new journey that the diaspora is is taking. And lastly, talking about the the journey, what do you think the next wave of story is going to be for the diaspora within this context of this conversation? Oh, okay. Mm. I feel like if more people so you mean what what do i think the next kind of generation is going to be yes um i think if i think if more of us go and set up good lives there and invest into our economies and um as you were saying i can't remember if this was before we started recording but as you were saying we become totally self-reliant as a people then our kids will have no reason to want to move surely i mean kids are defiant by nature so i don't know they might just want to leave because they might just want something different yes. but i think that if we can really set up a good life then there would be no reason for them to want to come here because it's like you have a good job you have the money when you want to go on holiday you can and you live in this beautiful you know country with a warm climate why would you want to leave, right? I think our parents genuinely only moved because of something, you know, as you said, economic um, restraints or um, war. So, I mean, if those things didn't exist, a lot of our parents would still be in, in Africa. Africa. Yes, yes. Right? 
awesome. I think that, but I think I'm hoping that the next story is how well Africa is doing because of the people that are there that are doing such great things. Because let's not forget, you know, the diasporas are not the be all and end all. Yes. There are people who are in Africa currently um, investing in the economies. And um, I have such good friends, like one of my friends, um, Dominic. He is a photographer and videographer in Sierra Leone. And this boy has learned everything from YouTube. He is amazing at what he does. And honestly, he's learned everything whilst being there. And he is raising the bar within the country just because of his skill set, you know? So there are people doing amazing things that have never lived in the West and don't have any, he doesn't even want to live mm. in the West ever. Even I've asked him, even if he had the opportunity, he wouldn't go because he just loves um, Sierra Leone so much. So I think, um, I think that if we as the diasporas work together with people who are, have always been based at home um, to create a better environment, our kids will literally just flourish and I don't see them wanting to leave. So I'm hoping the story is, you know, all of these people, um, the parents, this generation moves back and now, you know, their kids have just set up camp here and there's generational wealth and we're just building and trying to create a better, um, just, a, just, a, just a better um situation for our kids and our kids kids and yeah i'm hoping that the white you know white people have nothing to not nothing to do with that i mean i don't want to be silly i, I mean obviously okay, this is space. <laughs> but, but like I'm, I'm just hoping that we can become self-reliant yes. essentially like that's all i just want us to be able to you know um just just do what we need to do and just not feel like second class citizens you know mm. especially in our own, own space yes and then in closing do you have like any last words you want to depart to the ugly girls slash outside radio listeners sure so um well first of all nico thank you so much for having me this has been such a, an amazing and fulfilling conversation and i hope that um that your listeners find it interesting i hope that you catch my um, latest documentary that i'll i'm currently working on about black businesses um i think a lot of people in our generation will find it interesting it's a lot of young really hardworking people um who are all again africans um all just wanting to make a difference within our community so have a good day thank you again oh, thank you so much Janine like I had a really great conversation with you thank you so much for your time for your knowledge mm -hmm. for your experience you know I really hope we get to collaborate more or just no, for sure. about whatever you know it doesn't have to be always serious <laughs> you have to come back to Ugly Girls again like <laughs> I will. Um, honestly, Nico, you're such a good um, host and you're such a good interviewer. I really love how you take the time to listen and then you ask amazing questions as well. Like your questions really, um, I was in spaces that I didn't, I've never even thought of before. You're very competent and you speak so beautifully. So I really see you going so far in this life and I can't wait to see the rest of your journey, honestly. Yeah thank you like no this is amazing of course me too like I, I never know what to expect but <laughs> this was more than i could have imagined you're you're amazing oh thanks so much I'm like a little thug here you know 
corner thank you um and thanks to our listeners um for ugly girls club i really hope you enjoyed this episode we had a really good conversation about the return of the our fellow brothers and sisters across the world and please follow us on instagram we are outside radio with an underscore at the end and follow us on spotify and apple podcast so you can get instantly notified when we have the next podcast so thank you very much to our listeners until next time <laughs>